Sweep. Sweep. What a sweet sweep. No crumbles here. Just sweeping up when the other squad crumbles. Guardians win. Sweep the White Sox. We're going to get into how the standings look. We're going to get into the game. We're going to preview the weekend series. But, I mean, the big story is this division is very, very close to being in the bag for the Cleveland Guardians. And we'll talk about that on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly a scout, formerly of 24-7, now all of Locked On. I do want to take a second and say thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. And to say that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's talk standings. Let's just start standings. By the way, the White Sox losers of three straight, of course, after being swapped. Uh, the Twins losers are four straight, and they've been facing. Are they facing Kansas City? It's not exactly like they were facing a high-end squad. This Twins team is falling apart. They are now uh, two games under 500, ten games back for the Twins. Chicago White Sox are a game over 500, and six and a half back. I feel like they are now showing the uh, that extra half a game for the fact that. Because uh, it was pure, like they were showing like five games, six games. The, they're finally showing that half game because Cleveland has clinched the division over on the MLB side of things. They say the magic number is six, but or the elimination for the White Sox is six. But I don't think that's true. I think it's five because six means identical record. Identical record means Cleveland advances. I just think their uh, algorithm is still using the outdated numbers. So I think the magic number is five. Uh, correct me if I am wrong, but I believe it's five. And that means a combination of five wins and or five losses. So we can just sit here and start doing a hand count. We are down to one hand. Let's do some hand modeling to talk about how this division is in hand. I know, terrible. What a win by the Guardians. What a sweep. You can go back to monday show where that's the the you know my my little image for youtube it's like though i had the magic numbers wrong in that one i'm not going to change it because uh we make mistakes correct me on it like i'm going to give myself credit when i get it right so when i get it wrong hey it's right there but i did say hey when they sweep it'll be this and they swept and like i said when you won that opening game with dylan cease on the mound every single matchup was getting easier after that that was the gimme for the white Sox, and they lost the gimme and from there they lost them all cleveland would be if the postseason started today the three seed the only downside to being the three seed is you get the seattle mariners they're right now the bottom seed they're half game behind tampa there's a chance that tampa could uh if Cleveland plays well against Tampa, they would then end up facing Tampa instead. Tampa is scuffling of late. I think I kind of would rather face Tampa than Seattle. Seattle scares me, and it's just because they've had Cleveland's number. Like, give me Tampa, give me Toronto, give me either of those teams. Seattle, 
You need to stop going. Seattle's gone four and six in their last ten. They're not helping us out. The upside is Seattle has Kansas City, Tampa, and Toronto play each other. So that is a perfect opportunity for Seattle to move up and one of those other teams that Cleveland has played well against to move into that spot where that would be who they would get in the opening round of the playoffs. Baltimore's kind of fallen apart. They're now four games back of Seattle, and Chicago would be next up at six and a half games back of the wild card. Cleveland has a 553 winning percentage to Seattle's 550. Just one of those barely holding on to a higher percentage lead, but still, Cleveland has played and continues to play well. And if you're looking at like run differential, Cleveland's sixth best in the American League. The only team that's not in the playoffs right now with a positive run differential, you look at the top this playoffs team. So the six teams we look at who are playoff bound are all positive run differentials. And then Minnesota, the only other team with a positive run differential who's not currently set up to make the postseason. National League, uh, Milwaukee and San Francisco both have positive run differentials and are on the outside looking in. I guess I hadn't checked there recently enough to realize, I mean, good on Philly. Like, I kind of left them for dead. And you know what? Right now, they'd be in Atlanta and Philadelphia, along with San Diego. Which, again, the White Sox still have to face the Padres while the Padres are still fighting for their postseason lives. So even if you're feeling a little nervous about anything, just remember, Cleveland faces the Tampa Bay is their most difficult uh, team where San Diego goes to the Chicago White Sox. Let's talk about today's game, as a matter of fact. Let's start with that one, and then we'll kind of loop back in as everything goes on further in the show today. 4-2 victory. Maybe left Bieber out there a little too long. He goes seven and two-thirds of an inning with five strikeouts. A little low for the strikeouts. Two earned runs, no walks, and seven base runners. Again, Cleveland has issues not walking enough. They only had one walk in this game. Andres Jimenez, a bit of a surprise that he is the per- But that's the thing. Like This whole team, it's a surprise when Rosario has the walk, when it's Jimenez, when it's Oscar Gonzalez. This is not a team that walks. Uh, zero walks on the other side, though. Uh, Hedgy, man, it's... I don't know what you do with Hedgy. I still think maybe you bring him back on a cheap deal, and or you, you go out... It, so... I'm trying to remember, I think it was on the long podcast. If you want to go watch the live stream from earlier this week, the extra inning victory affair, uh, that one I talked about the fact that there are many, many really good catchers who don't pan out, and that's why I'm always kind of willing. Like the ca- Catchers are risky at the starting pitchers. I'm always willing to consider trading for one. If you feel comfortable going in with Naylor, you have to bring back Hedges. Um, he has... Listen, if your team has got money, he's the ideal backup. If Cleveland can pay him, you know, does he come back for less than he made this year? He's got a 172 average, a 511 OPS. He might win another gold glove. Does he settle for like three to four million? I don't know. Does he love it here enough? Do they value it enough? It'll be something interesting to pay attention to. In this game, who reached base twice? Well, Naylor had two hits. Jimenez had two hits. He also had... The uh, the walk in this one, I don't believe we had any hit batters. So that's it. It's just those two guys, Naylor and Jimenez. It's nice to see after Naylor's like second half slump that he has definitely been coming out of it, and he likes facing the White Sox. That is for sure. And, you know, just to go back to something else I pointed out, like I said, Cleveland had the advantage in pitching matchups in two out of three games. They had the better lineup. They had the better bullpen, and I think we saw that consistently in this series against 
the Chicago White Sox. Can I make one other comment about this White Sox team? Elvis Andrews. So he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. If you're the Minnesota Twins, do you consider him? Because we know Correa is going to opt out, and the Twins should probably focus more on pitching than another shortstop. But with Royce Lewis's injury, if you need a stopgap, isn't there a logic to Elvis Andrews, solid defender who kills the, the Guardians, who's the team that he has always hit? I'm just an idea to throw out there. Cueto pitched well, and he has pitched well against the Guardians this year. He just didn't pitch well enough. Again, very low strikeout total, just the one walk, but the eight, nine base runners in six innings. Uh, Bieber, listen, he goes into this the eighth inning, gives up, I think leads off the inning with the home run to Gavin Sheets, then gets two ground outs, and then a double. Trevor Steffen comes in, gets a strikeout to hold. Class A comes in, 37th save of the year. What a year for him, a one three seven ERA. So for anyone still like pressing about the three or four um, in the last two months issues he's had, a one three seven ERA, he's, he's very good. Who didn't reach base in this one? Let's go the other way around. It's Hedges, it's Oscar Gonzalez. Everyone else had a hit. Who are our three stars? Well, Jimenez and Naylor, I think, kind of stand out. Uh, Jimenez for reaching base three times, Naylor for two and a double uh you know Quan did have the triple the only other extra base hit in this game but I think you got to give it to Bieber seven and two-thirds innings two earned runs five strikeouts another stellar start 281 ERA it's isn't it like I said what I think makes this team so dangerous on the postseason is having three strong pitchers and then a deadly bullpen Go back to when this team had that killer rotation. Yes, Andrew Miller was amazing. Cody Allen was great. Who else did you trust? Brian Shaw was still good back then. You still had the good version of Shaw, but it was nothing like it is now. It is nothing like this team's current bullpen, current alignment. You know, just to talk about that bullpen, feel good about Class A. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. 99. He's been, you know, like the 99 of old. Trevor Steffen, greatest Rule 5 draft pick in franchise history. Nick Sandlin, listen, he's got some control issues here and there, but another guy went to AAA, got straightened out, and has been fantastic. Sam Henches, I believe still has the best ERA in the second half of any reliever, and he's your lefty. Eli Morgan, four or five solid start, er, starts, relief appearances in a row, looking more and more like what we expected from him. Eniel De Los Santos. I believe the ERA might be under three. Five years of team control there. Who are the guys that are left? So Kurt McCarty probably doesn't make the postseason roster, but he's actually not been bad in that long roll. He has not been bad at all in the long relief roll. And Brian Shaw, who... Listen, if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all, right? So that's... I mean, that bullpen, there's... Shaw is the weak link, but the rest of it, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Morgan's going to make me a little nervous. Sandlin in 99 when there's runners on base. Those are guys you want to come in to lead off an inning, not when there's already someone on base, just because Sandlin's walk rates and 99's um, inability to hold base runner. But they're great to lead off an inning. Like Use them uh, as effectively as possible. This bullpen is why I think people who are out there saying that this is a you know good-looking eliminating the first round need to take a step back because bullpens rule the postseason. And the Guardians bullpen rules. We're going to take our first break, come back, and discuss the weekend series. 
and a few more odds and ends on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. Our fantastic sponsor today is Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As, as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now we should start and see what BetOnline thinks about tomorrow's game for the Cleveland Guardians against the Texas Rangers. I have to think it is going to favor the Cleveland Guardians because those are two teams that are definitely moving in opposite directions. Things got so bad, the Rangers, you know, had some shakeups at the top, whereas Cleveland just continues. They're pushed to the postseason. Tomorrow's line is as follows. Cody Morris is plus one and a half and a minus 210. John Gray is a minus one and a half at a plus 180. Over under on that game is eight. I'll be tempted to go with the over, which is currently a plus 100. Go check out Bet Online, one of my favorite sports resource information sites. So I didn't realize until <laughs> I was getting into it. This is episode 800 uh, of Lockdown Guardians. I want to take a second. Thank you. It's chill like cool uh, for a review, even if it was a one star review. Uh, I don't think I'm soft or hate on 99. I call him 99 because people, because I have a hard time with names. I've talked about it being part of the, my disability. I just have a hard time with names. And the more I talk about, the more people hit me up on Twitter talking about their thing with it. There's like a name blindness issue that comes up for many people. Uh, I talk about how great he is all the time. I just also talk about the fact that he can't hold base runners. But I feel like, I mean, I, I've been pretty fair with him of late, but I always like how it is to people who get really offended, uh, so offended, so mad, uh, who they want to call you soft because your podcast is mean towards the guy they like. And I'm sure your politics have nothing to do with why you like him. So thank you, Chill Wild School. Most people are nice. Uh, I'm going to take that moment in episode 800 and just be like, Listen, we're going to run this show the way we run it. 99 has been an utterly fantastic and central part of this bullpen. In my opinion, the big three of this pen right now is 99, Stefan, and Class A. That being said, it's actually a perfect transition. You know, Sarah's had a great piece over on The Athletic about the rule changes and who it's going to affect. It's kind of interesting going through the list of like guys who might have the biggest benefit from the change to hitting. Uh Josh Naylor's name comes up, or I should say the change to the shift and how that's going to affect hitting, though he doesn't make the final list. So they don't really have anyone who's going to benefit, it seems like, a ton just in terms of the shift move. Uh, the big names on that one end up being Corey Seager, Rowdy Tellez, Matt Olson, Kyle Schwarber, and Max Muncy. The pitch clock is one of the interesting ones, and this is where it gets back to the whole thing. The players most likely to be hurt, 99 is high on that list. He is fourth most likely to be hurt because of the just how he goes with his routine. I do wonder if he becomes a trade candidate because um, he's going to get expensive, arbitration eligible, rule changes, and then you know just the fragility of his performance the past few years. But right now he's a, a central part. But the one nice thing is we talked about this bullpen is overflowing. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what he comes up there. <laughs> There's no one who's being helped by the clock. It's just the fans. And then uh, base running with the bigger bases. Who could benefit 
this is interesting because the Guardians are all over this list. When you're looking fourth, Miles Straw, fifth, Andres Jimenez, seventh, Ahmed Rosario. They might be the only team with three guys in the top 10 who are most likely to be helped uh, increasing their stolen base rates than Cleveland. Uh, and then none of the pitchers that they have seem to be all that affected by it. So just you know, keeping track at home, new rule changes could potentially benefit Naylor, should benefit Straw, Rosario, and Jimenez, and only player who really gets listed for a hurt is 99. So new rules, fun piece. I'd go read more in depth. I'm sure you can pull even more from this than I would. But yeah, it's uh, one of those things to go through and think that next year with those rule changes, that stands out as something fun and interesting, at least according to how I view it. Is that kind of interesting news across the league? I always like to throw it out there. How about Miguel Anjouar being let go by the Yankees? Man, that great year where he finished second in the Rookie of the Year when he should not have finished second in the Rookie of the Year. That was the Otani Rookie of the Year. And Joey Wendell was clearly the second best rookie that year. For my money, uh, superior in many, many ways. And Wendell somehow finished fourth because you had both the New York guys ahead of him. Anjouar was, it just, it's kind of, if you are someone like me who hosts a show like this, uh, I feel like I spent the last five years hearing about Clint Frazier and Miguel Anjouar for, quote unquote, this Guardians pitcher, this Guardians player, central part of a Jose Ramirez deal, central part of a Trevor Bauer, like, Anjouar had that great breakup, breakup, breakout year, but shows sometimes you have, like, kind of one somewhat lucky year, and then it just doesn't stick around. He never approached league average after that. Uh, never got a huge look. I mean, 162 plate appearances last year was his biggest look, and he was well below average offensively and defensively. But you always got to be careful. Uh, Miguel Anjouar is a classic example of a guy who you know, had that year, and then boom, age 23, and since then, now he's designated for assignment. Uh, the other side of things, I was kind of having fun today. I was scrolling through some stuff. I had not realized, I was looking at splits data, and it'll never in a million years happen. Okay, let's state that now. But I, I had some fun thinking about, should the Guardians consider Albert Pujols if he doesn't choose to retire? Uh, no, probably they shouldn't. But how about the fact that he's a 92 runs created plus against righties, below average against lefties, a 214 this year. He is Aaron Judge against left-handed pitching. Uh, Cleveland's biggest bugaboo. His 19 home runs, I believe, would still be second on the Guardians this year. And, you know, he's sitting there at 698. Let's say he gets to 700 this year. And that'd be, what, 21 home runs? He would be an interesting sign for any team because he's going to bring out fans. You're talking about a guy who's got a chance to pass Babe Ruth next year. Again, I'm not really saying they should consider it. I'm not saying they would ever do it. But I think for the right team... He's an interesting player to consider because he's going to get guys through the gates. And Man, he murders lefties right now. So I had some fun just digging the numbers with that there. Speaking of digging into numbers, I think we should take our next break here. We talked about you know the Ian Oceros piece. We talked about some names and fun. I do want to talk about this again just in case you missed on yesterday's show. Will Brennan, technically not postseason eligible, but can be made postseason eligible. Anthony Ghost being on the disabled list, being on the 60-day disabled list, essentially means you can go and move someone else into eligibility. You can take Ghost's eligibility and give it to someone else. It's like, um, I don't know, 
taking off armor from one character and putting it on another in your your video game. Uh, they can just do it. it. Or in the OOTP game, it's just moving guys around, uh, dropping someone in the right system. But you get... He can be part of the postseason if they decide to. He is 100% someone who can be postseason eligible if the Guardians decide that they want to do that. So they can only do that for one player, but I believe on their entire 40-man, there's only one player currently who's not postseason eligible, and that's Will Brennan. So everyone else would be eligible, and uh, they have one spot. So I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Let's take a break and then come back and do our preview against for this upcoming series against the Texas Rangers on the 800th episode of Locked On Guardians. Let's talk about these games. So I went through, and specifically when I'm looking at stats to compare these two teams, uh, I'm looking from August 1st. I'm doing a small sample size of, like, what, a month and three quarters to kind of compare. Let's go through position by position catcher. So it's a little bit ugly. To talk about catcher because during this time we have seen hedges drop to a 48 runs creative plus it's been pretty ugly since august 1st we're talking 170 265 239 remember when there was that small window <laughs> if you're not watching the show you didn't see that smile of like Ugh. uh but small window when like hedges was actually hitting in august and well it's it was a very small window and it's done now but on the other side of things, Texas has actually, you know, had a decent catching situation throughout the course of this year. Man, I didn't realize Mark Matthias has gotten pretty regular at bats for them. <laughs> has a 189 runs created plus and a .8 war. Sorry, I got distracted by former Guardian. Might get to see him uh, this weekend. But for catcher, it's been Jonah Heim who they got from Oakland, maybe, in my mind. I could be wrong in that. Uh, let's look at the thing and see Jonah Heim a catcher was originally from Baltimore and then uh, that's right they just had former guardian Kevin Plowecki and they also have Sam Huff who's more of a first base type but also spent some time there uh, Heim over the course of the last month has a 57 runs created plus a 4.3 in defense so both uh, pretty terrible does Cleveland get the advantage just because one's uh, defensively solid Advantage Cleveland, better defender. You got two guys who have been uh, dog water offensively, and uh, Hedges is an elite defender. Now, first base, uh, Nathan Lowe was a guy I talked about a year ago. As I was saying, maybe that's someone the Guardians should try to trade for. Texas had so many first base options. Lowe was interesting. He was having a little bit of a downtime. Well, since August 1st, he's got a 200 runs created plus. He's been worth 2.3 war. Uh, he's had an absolutely exceptional year. Former Tampa Bay prospect. can't remember where they traded. Brother of Joshua Lowe, uh, who's another prospect in the Tampa system. And overall this year, 147 runs created plus. 25 home runs. Yeah, I, I wish in this case the Guardian said, listen to me. I, I don't know. We don't even know if he was available. But uh, as much as I love what Josh Naylor has done, Nathan Lowe has been superior at first base. That is advantage Texas. Moving to second base, advantage Cleveland, because they have the best second baseman in baseball right now. Like uh, Second base, they have what, Marcus Simeon, the, the highly paid player. And Simeon's been quite good this year, don't get me wrong. But, and especially since August 1st, he's got a 1.7 war, a 130 runs created plus. Other side of things, 
uh, Jimenez has got a 141 runs created plus and 2.1 war. So, Simeon's been great. Jimenez has been consistently better. Shortstop, Corey Seager versus Ahmed Rosario. Seager's better defender at a better bat. Let's just be honest. We can say it and move on. So we are back to a tie score, right? Split the infield, split there. Third base, advantage Cleveland. I believe Josh Jung, the rookie, has been called up for Texas and is manning that position mostly. Uh, interesting young player, former high draft pick, top 10 selection, who has done, I thought maybe had a decent debut, but I'm looking at numbers and maybe uh, that was just in my mind. He's got a 82 runs created plus. He's been, eh, hasn't walked yet. So advantage Cleveland, in other words, because again, they have, right now, Cleveland might have the best second baseman and best third baseman in baseball. One can make a case. Let's at least put it that way. Moving on into the outfield, Texas's starting center fielder is Leody Tavares. He is a lesser defensive Miles Straw with the same hitting skills. Uh, 61 runs created plus for him uh, over this time period. Straw is actually at a 46. Uh, so Tavares has been better. Now Straw was atrocious in August. August was actually his worst month of the year. So he is trending upwards, but defensively, Straw's significantly better. So that's advantage Cleveland. And again, both these guys, their calling card is defense. Tavares is another one of those guys that definitely reset how I evaluate prospects because the numbers coming up were never great, but he was all athletic tool. He was kind of reminded me of Christian Pache. You know, very seriously. It's like, oh, well, the tools are Lewis Brinson. Like those guys where it's like the tools are going to work out. Eventually the tools are going to work out. The, the tools are going to work out. We'll see. <laughs> you know, uh, where Miles Straw was just, he's a good athlete. Who knows? And he's now like the same as them. Yeah, it's the same thing with Brett Phillips who got like a, well, well, there's definitely a type that I am petrified of. Let's be honest when it comes to player evaluation. Moving on, left field, Bubba Thompson, former first round pick. Uh, finally getting an opportunity to play. It's been a long road for him to get to the big leagues. Unfortunately for him, he's got 90 runs created plus. Uh, been worth half a win during this time. Eight? Uh, no, that's that's his RBIs. One home run uh, advantage Cleveland. That's just Stephen Kwan is a, is a pretty big advantage. Uh, Adolphus Garcia is, man, he is streaky. He's at a 119 runs created plus right now. We've talked about how he is someone who strikes out a lot. And when he's hot, he is on fire. When he is cold, he is going to make your arm fall off. Remember his big debut a year ago? Well, he ended the year with a 99 runs created plus. This year it's a 113. It's a little bit better. Um, like I said, currently over the last month or so, he's been close to a 120 with a negative defensive value. Uh, during that time, Oscar Gonzalez is at a 128 with also a negative defensive value. But he has been a more consistent hitter so uh, cleveland again wins the outfield war so that gives them a four spot before you move to dh which let's just be honest uh dh has been a bit of a mess for both these teams i'm, I'm tempted just to push it out and give no one the advantage let's see the most consistent dh for cleveland in the past week let's see you got two games there i mean it just it moves so much it is this rotating position, the player who's played the most in last week is actually been Tyler Freeman, who's been okay, nothing to write home about. The other side of things, Texas is most consistent DH. You got two with Mark Matthias. <laughs> weird that like he gets 
called up for them or plays for them. It, it's a DH. Two to Cole Calhoun. Um, two with Josh Smith, H. Smith. No, he didn't. He was left field mostly, but he'd get one game at DH. Uh, Adolphus Garcia got one game. They also have, but we're gonna we're gonna push that one out. It's it's a ro- rotating door for both teams without a lot of consistency. So a four position advantage. Move to the bullpen. We talked about it. Cleveland's got a three headed monster with ninety nine Class A and Trevor Steffen this year. That is, you know, they're the bell of the ball. It's as good as it gets in baseball. Uh, on the other side of things, you know, Matt Moore has been an excellent lefty for them out of the pen. Uh, Brock. Burke should get more rookie of the year love than he's gotten. Like, I mean, he, he, he's not, he's not a top three guy. He's not going to win the award, but he, should he get talked about for the fourth or fifth spot? Yeah, he should. Uh, Josh Leclerc has been pretty solid as closer. He's had his ups and downs. It's an okay pen with some interesting pieces, but Cleveland again has a three headed monster. And then after that three headed monster are about four more guys who are above league average to you know, pushing to join the the Hydra at the back of the pen. That's that's it. It's it's a Hydra, straight on. It's it's a three headed, cut off one head, two more grow type of deal is what it feels like if you were facing that bullpen. So that's advantage Cleveland. And then starting pitching, Martin Perez has been great. John Gray has been okay. Lenot, who they got from the Yankees, did he come over in the Gallo deal? Cole Raggins, the former first round pick. Dane Dunning from the White Sox. I really liked the Lance Lynn deal because I really liked Dunning at the time. Uh, you know, they're passable, but and especially when you get into these individual matchups of Gray versus Morris, then, you know, maybe I give that one to Texas just because of the you know experience that, that Gray has, the ups and downs. But Quantrell versus Ott should be advantage Cleveland. Raggins versus Savali should also be advantage Cleveland. And then after this series, we have the off day Monday. Texas is not a great team. They're currently sitting at uh, 65 and 84. I'm going to pause real quick. They would have the 11th pick in the draft if uh, it happened today. They are currently uh, half a game up on uh, the Los Angeles Angels and the Chicago Cubs. So very close to those, you know, very close to getting up there. Uh, a game and a half behind Colorado for the eighth spot. If you're curious about the Central, Detroit would pick fourth, Kansas City seventh, uh, Minnesota 14th right now based on the way things have gone. Uh, Washington Nationals kind of running away with the Dylan Cruz sweepstakes. So yeah, it's uh, not a great team. There is a chance for the Guardians to just clinch the postseason this weekend. It could happen. Not sure who the Whites... The White Sox, I think, have the Tigers, so it's not very likely, but it could happen. So keep your eyes tuned or peeled for that. Definitely something to check out. I've been Jeff Ellis. Episode 800. Uh, We'll have information on the co-host. They are signed, sealed, and delivered and coming soon. Uh, If you would love to subscribe on YouTube, write a review on iTunes. Uh... You know, it, the funny thing with the iTunes reviews is any of them help. So literally, a good one, a bad one, they say that just having numbers is the important thing on there. And, uh, you know, in terms of the YouTube, we're in the 600s. Getting to 1,000 helps us monetize. So if you get subscribed there, I would much appreciate that as well. Uh, 800 episodes. It's a lot. It's hard to believe. I'm just kind of sitting here going, wow, 800 of these. And every single one. I have been the editor for. 
and I've had co-hosts, but I have been the editor, hoster, runner of this channel for 800 plus episodes. If you've gotten a little bit of enjoyment out of it, please go subscribe on the YouTube. Because again, getting to a thousand would mean the world to me. I mean, it might only mean like 10 more bucks a month, but 10 more bucks a month over the course of a year, it's a hundred bucks. That's helpful. Every bit helps. I think we all know that. Uh, and as how I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.